These days, we miss the proverbial water cooler. In this podcast, our goal is to spark authentic conversation in a new way. And we've invited some of the smartest, most influential people we know to join us. Together, we'll get real about our industry, our triumphs, and our challenges. Welcome to Beyond the Spreadsheet. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Spreadsheet. This is Capstan Live's spinoff podcast, where we get a little more personal, talking to professionals about the triumphs, trends, and challenges that we see in our industry today. And we try to have a few laughs, too. Today's guest is sure to bring the laughs. He's known as the comedy CPA. He has a hilarious podcast. He's got an accounting-themed comic strip. And he gives webinars where you literally laugh as you learn. I'm Helena Carmel, and I'm so excited to welcome Greg Kite, the comedy CPA, to the pod. Greg, you're hey, here. Hey, so I'm so glad to be here, Helena. It's, uh, yeah, exciting to be here. And I'm excited that we're actually going to be doing some stuff together in the future, too. This is like the the very beginning of of, of hopefully a, uh, a, a long and uh, fruitful relationship. I don't feel like you're an accounting celebrity. Like, would you go so far as to say you are the Tom Cruise of accounting? Because that's sort of how I feel. I feel like that's so, who I'm talking to. Yeah. Someone on that level. Like, right. like, Mission Impossible, that's your franchise. Well, I'd have to say Tom Cruise of accounting. There's something that just seems invalid about that analogy to begin to begin with. Okay, so, poor, poor, poor. <laughs> that, I'm a little starstruck. Oh, all. well, geez. Well, you don't need to be because, you know, it's just... It's because that, yeah, because accounting famous also is another way of saying not famous. So, in our little world, yeah, in our little world, you're you're kind of up there. You're kind of up there. So wait, tell tell our listeners about yourself because I think you're so fascinating, and I can't wait for them to hear about all the cool things that you do, Greg. Okay. Well, um, yeah, to, to try to keep it brief, in a former life, I was actually a middle school math teacher for about 10 years. Uh, while I was doing middle school math, uh, I started doing stand-up comedy. Uh, I, as, a, uh, as a teacher, I saw the dream of home ownership slipping away from me. So I decided to go back to school. When I was in, when I was in college the first time, I, it was actually kind of a decision. Should I go into accounting? Because I used to back gosh even as a teenager i was doing like bookkeeping for my mom's uh drugstore so and i really huh? and i really enjoyed that so when i went to college the first time made the wrong choice went into public education <laughs> uh went back to school made the right choice became an accountant became a cpa uh but i'd already started doing stand up comedy before i even entered the profession and so i my first job as a, as an accountant was at a mid-sized local cpa firm and we had a like a it was a monthly staff meeting, like all hands on deck staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, I asked him, I'm like going, Hey, could I just, could I open up our, our staff meeting with like five minutes of stand-up comedy? So. Tight five. Can I yeah, exactly. Exa- well, it wasn't that tight. And the funny thing was, is I, back then, cause I, cause midlife career change, I'm trying to make up for lost time. So everybody who's a brand new accountant is like 10 to 15 years younger than me. So I was also, I was reading through the Journal of Accountancy cover to cover every month just because I thought it was good for me. And I think it was. But then I started writing jokes based on the articles in the Journal of Accountancy. So that's what I would present for uh, 
for for the for those staff meetings. Then I started writing some um, some letters to the editor to the Journal of Accountancy. One of which got published. They were kind of snarky, uh, <laughs> right? Oh, geez. Oh, the well, well, well. That doesn't. Everyone doesn't can't say that. <laughs> but I started. I, I incorporated more and more st- uh, accounting stuff into my just regular stand-up comedy, and uh, and so with that and just doing, you know, starting to make connections with inside the accounting profession. I did. I, I mean, I'm gonna go full horn tooting here. I I got uh, nominated as Accounting Today's top 100 most influential people for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. But but listen. I was not influential. I was I was more of a here's one of the accounting professions more interesting people rather than influential. Okay, I would totally taken. Forget it. I yeah, was wrong. Oh, yeah. You're not Tom Cruise. You're like <laughs> you're funny and multi. You're like a Chris Pratt type. Oh, like funny, talented. <laughs> Can you do a good Mario impression? Because no, I he's can't. Had a lot of crack about that. Oh, but, right. He yeah, couldn't he either. Had... Yeah. So that yeah. So that <laughs> that holds. <laughs> Yeah, so just, uh, you've got a lot more dimensions than than yeah. than, than Mr. Cruz. Gotcha. That's okay. crazy. Yeah. So wow, so, people are seeing your work and responding to it and recognizing it. That's kind of amazing. And I know you're yeah. being self-deprecating, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. What I mean, yeah. It totally. Uh, yeah. I, I'm. I'm grateful for all of that stuff that happened. It was. It's. It's amazing, and it's kind of. It's. It's sort of weird. Uh, like the people, the pe- I mean, if you want to talk about like actually influential people in the accounting profession, it's weird how many how many of those people that I've got their phone and I got their number in my phone, and I could just give wow. them a jingle at any time, and it's yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I'm very excited about that. The cartoon started, uh, uh, gosh, I think I think in 2016 is when I first started that, and the weird thing was, is I used to do uh, some art back when I was in high school. And I felt like it was just part of my. It was just just like a muscle I hadn't exercised for a while. So I, I was like, let's let's see about just doing some cartoons. And I I jotted some out, and I actually sent them to Dan Hood over at Accounting Today. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm just kind of trying this out. Is this anything that Accounting Today'd be interested in running? And he was like, absolutely not. And so then I was <laughs> then I uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, well, then I went to Going Concern, which is a, a, a website right. that I'd that I'd actually blogged for for quite a while. And I went to them and I was like, would you like to uh, would you be interested in running these cards? Because for me, it was just I was just doing it for fun. Almost it almost felt like therapeutic, kind of like, a, you know, like adult coloring books, like totally. not, adult, not adult, sorry, grown no, up. Not adult. Just a, no, we yeah, grown up. Yeah, right. Grown up. Uh, right. so it's, it was kind of, like bullet journaling or whatever yeah. kind of thing that lets you kind of lay it all out. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was, it was kind of relaxing. I did it all. And that's the thing. I did it all by hand. None of it was computer stuff. Cause I just wanted, I, I felt like a need for sort of that really super low fi, uh, you know, just art expression. Yeah. Um, but, but it was weird because I was like going, I guess I should see if anybody would, would pay me for these. So I, like I said, I, I went to going concern. I said, would you guys want to run these? And they were also like hard pass. And then a couple weeks oh. later, they came back to me and like, Hey, on second thought, I think we would. Oh. So then I started, I had a platform to, to publish them. And I, I was going after it pretty, pretty hard for a lot of years. I've been, I've slowed down a little bit lately with the, with actual production of new cartoons, but there's a pretty, pretty deep catalog I got. 
Oh, there is. I was looking through it and I had a few laugh out louds. I really, I really did. And I am an easy mark. I'll admit that. But like, I really just some of your wordplay, like just very clever. Nice. Thank you. And you get your ideas literally probably just from like all the the zaniness that happens in in our industry, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a weird thing. People have often, they've been like, how do you, with stand up and accounting, that must be hard to, to like find comedy in such a dry, in such a dry profession. The funny thing is when you think about like the dynamics of how comedy works is you need, you need a setup and you need a punchline, you need a straight man and you need a funny, a funny man. And the accounting profession is super dry. Uh, and, and, and it takes itself very seriously because we should, because what we do right. is very important. And if we make mistakes, l- like we can, we can lose lots of people's yes. uh, retirements and life savings and fortunes. And yeah. So it's very important what we do. But having that kind of a, ha- having that industry to find things to make fun of, it, it actually, it's there's a lot here that that makes it. I, I would say easier to find stuff to to kind of poke fun at and to, to joke around about. I have also always thought that so much of what makes something funny is, is specificity. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's not funny if you say like, Oh, I walked down the street, but if you're like, Oh, and I was walking down main street right in front of that, whatever. I don't know. I can't yeah. think of a good example, but like yeah. it has to be specific. And I feel like that's like your, your comics are so specific and that is also what gets you in. It's a specific situation that you're familiar with, and then you kind of twist it a little bit unexpectedly. Yeah. I think it, it it tickles me. What can I tell you? Yeah, no, you're not you're not wrong. If you can if you can kind of give a deep cut that 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 people are going. There's a cartoon about this. I mean, there's something like like not yeah. consciously but subconsciously. You're going. This is weird. That that you know, it's it's like seeing something in your in your native language or something like that when you're not expecting uh-huh. it. You know. If that, if that makes great, sense. Right? Yeah. So our capstan, our loyal followers, we are cooking up something that we'll be sharing with you during tax season to lift those spirits from Mr. Kite here. But if people can't wait, Greg, do you want to tell them where they can see some of your stuff right now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, probably the best in terms of just finding the my the the, the projects that I'm currently working on. I, I guess there's a couple things. If you want to look at the cartoons. Uh, best place to find those is on Instagram. I've got a yes. an Instagram account that's just it's exposure drafts is what the cartoons yes. are called. Yes, and and it. that's that's all it is is just my. I, I think I think there might have been a couple times where I reposted somebody else's cartoon because it had something to do with accounting. Like I think I I always I'm one of those guys that every year I have to have a, a desktop day by day calendar, and I have uh-huh. a, and and they're always cartoon ones, and like I'll have a. Uh, the far side and, and I was just thinking this man is a far side guy oh, i was I, just thinking it lo- love just, far side and every now and then every now and then he'll have an accounting one and i go that's if the, if the if the master himself does some accounting humor, we got probably got to pass that on. But yeah, so uh, exposure drafts is a great way to see the cartoons. I also do podcasts. It's called Oh My Fraud, uh, and it's a fraud yes, podcast. Let's talk about Oh My Fraud. I'm that's a whole different kettle of fish. And I, you guys, you have to listen to Oh My Fraud. It's so fascinating. It's like okay, so it's billed as like a true crime yeah. podcast for accountants, which is. Yeah. 
like so brilliant. How did you how did you even come up with this concept, Greg? Uh, well, I have that, that's it's actually the I have to give credit to my partner Caleb Newquist, oh, who right. he he's the he actually is the guy who founded Going Concern. So that was his baby from the beginning. So that's how he and I started working together. And I was doing another podcast called the Thrivecast, which was for the C- the Thrival CPA Network. I was doing that for about yeah. ten years. I I love it. It was with a guy named Jason Blummer out of South Carolina. He's the best. We're great friends. After ten years, and we we just kind of started doing it, not knowing what what we were doing, and we figured it out over the course of time. And then I was like, man, we've been doing this for ten years. I think it's time for me to go find something else to do. So I so I gave him eighteen months' notice. Uh, that I was gonna, <laughs> I was going to be stepping away from the podcast, and uh, and then w- which was weird because then those last eighteen months were the funnest episodes that we did on there. Oh. But but I I had I'd stepped away from podcasting, and then Caleb contacts me just like maybe a few weeks after my last episode. There was like, hey, you want to do another podcast? And I was like, no, I absolutely don't want to do one. <laughs> I just stopped doing that. And he was like, I think we should do a a, a fraud podcast because he and I had done several presentations on fraud, right. um, and uh, you know, like webinars that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and and I said, Nah, I I I'd be interested if there was a way we could do this that that make me feel like we're changing the world. And and that was my like gentle way of saying, No, please leave me alone. <laughs> and then and the, and a few months later, he contacts me again. He's like, I think I I think we figured out a way where we could do this podcast and we could change the world. And that's uh, because there's this, there's a, a platform card called Earmark CPE, uh, which has they've they've kind of cracked the code for how you can get continuing professional education by listening to podcasts. And so, wait, wait, just just one more time for the people in the back. Yeah, you can get CPE credit while listening to your podcast. Yes. While you're walking your dog, while you're yes. on the treadmill, whatever it is, you can be earning CPE credit through Earmark. Yep, exactly. Wait. Yeah, it's and, and it's it's under it's like a self study. The way that they the way they crack the code is they did it like self study. So you so you listen to a podcast, then you have to take a little quiz, and if you pass the quiz, then you get the continuing education. So it's not so just, just you have to prove that you you, the, ex- you actually did listen. Exactly, exactly. Yes. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what I I uh, took a trip out to Reno. I live in Salt Lake City, so it's about an eight hour drive to Reno Ooh. from here. And and on the the way there, on the way back, I I swear I got twelve credits of CPE what? just by listening by listening to other people's podcasts on the network. That's awesome. So, and it's just like every so so you drive for an hour and then you'd have to just pull off the road to get out your phone to take the little quiz oh, and then and then see the see that the email came through with the with the certificate and then you know pull back up on the on the freeway and keep driving. So it's a it's a Amazing. Great way to do, it. but also for your listeners, just so that they know, our podcast is not uh, not it's not a clean pod. We're not necessarily safe for work kind of podcast. Or- I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have three kids, yeah. and we're often like, "Oh, what can we listen to in the car as a family?" Right. So I'm really glad you said that because I would be like, "Hey, you guys, want to hear a crazy story about fraud?" And then I would be backpedaling a lot. Right. Right. So exactly. I'm really glad you mentioned it. Actually. So yeah. yeah so. So you're a little spicy on air, yes. which is totally fine for an adult audience. Yes. So can of you give us an idea of of what kind of things you talk about? Like any kind of like like wild but true story that you've shared? Yeah. I don't like, want to ask you to give away the gold, but oh, oh which is, okay. Which is funny. I yeah, I'd love like uh, it, thinking about the different because we've we've had. 
we're over 50 episodes, I think, at this point that we've done because it comes out it comes out every other week, and we've been doing it for about two years. So yeah, we're 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 up around 50 episodes at this point. Um, but but one of the one of probably. I'd say it's probably the most bizarre story that we cover and we and we've covered everything although we have we have kind of made a commitment to ourselves we're not going to do an episode about Enron and we're not going to do an episode about Bernie Madoff cuz they've just been done to death. Yeah. We we might I mean the the one way we would tackle either of those is like uh, like we're trying to get and I can't remember her name right now but the whistleblower for Enron um, we've been talking about trying to get her on the podcast as a guest, just to interview her. So wow. if, we, if we were able to do something like that, then yeah, we'll we'll do that. But we're not just going to do here's the Enron case and start talking about it because because most of our episodes are just us covering a case. But here's here's the cool case. This is this is probably the most bizarre one that we covered. It was oh my about, god. Okay, you had me at bizarre. I'm ready. <laughs> it, it was about Bree X Minerals, which was a Canadian uh, mining company, but they they're they, they're what's called a junior mining company, which means that they're just a, like exploration. So they don't actually get the stuff out of the ground; they just go and find it. And then after ah, that point, okay. they've got to get a real mining company to come and actually get the minerals out of the ground. So the excavation, okay, exactly. So uh, so there is, and they were horrible. They were they were like after three years in business, they were on the verge of bankruptcy um their their shot their their shares i think at this point were selling for like 12 cents a share or something like that and in a in like a final last hail mary attempt to do something with this business they go over to the island of borneo which is southeast asia it's kind of halfway between vietnam and australia um Borneo is a weird island because there's actually four different countries that claim parts of Borneo, but most of it, most of it's Indonesia. The second biggest chunk is Malaysia. And then honestly, I can't even remember who the two other countries are and they have just okay. have a little tiny, but, but yeah, it's, it's apparently one of the biggest islands. I, I did not see Borneo coming. Okay. Right. 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 <laughs> so they go over there and it's a, it's a tro- This whole island is just a huge tropical rainforest. So they go deep into the heart of Borneo kind of up where you know up into the mountain region of it very difficult to get to and their chief uh, geologist he he finds gold up there and he find like not just gold but like tons of gold where they they, they kept they kept uh, they kept taking different core samples to determine how much gold was up there and at one point they like the highest estimate that they ever got to was 200 million ounces of gold which we're talking like like uh, billions of dollars worth of gold in this. Right. Exactly. So, so their stock price, because of all this. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so their stock price goes from 12 cents a share up to like 280 something dollars a share because, because of this, because they were about to fold. And now all of a sudden they've got like the, you know, the, the 20th century, because this was the late 1990s. So it was the 20th century, uh, gold rush. The second, I guess, wow. the second gold rush. I guess now that I think through my history, the California gold rush might have still been in. Was that still the night? Oh no, that was eighteen. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know my history. Oh, I know my frauds. But yeah. but anyways, big time gold rush over in Southeast Asia. So uh, so all this stuff happens. They partner with this other company that's going to be the mining company that actually gets the gold out of the ground that company goes over they put up all this infrastructure they start mining for gold they find absolutely no gold these guys are like saying what? you just scoop up the dirt and and just it's like an atm machine of dirt right yeah exactly these guys find zero gold up in Where the mountains go, right? of borneo well, well 
here's what happened. That's what everybody's asking. So this chief geologist, the guy who first discovered the gold, he's because, like I said, this is a Canadian company. So he's in Toronto. He takes this incredibly long journey to get out to Borneo to kind of defend his work and go, hey, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what I found. All this kind of stuff. It's and and what's weird is because Borneo is it's an emerging economy, so it doesn't have great infrastructure, and plus. All this stuff is in a very remote, hard to access region of the country. His last leg of his trip to get out there is by helicopter. And he gets in the helicopter. He starts flying out there. Uh, At this point, he realizes he's in deep trouble. The dude jumps to his death out of the helicopter. Yeah, out of the helicopter. Oh, he's like, he's like, I guess they caught me. And he jumps helicopter to his death. In the jungles, yeah, in the jungles of Borneo, and then everything kind of explodes, and it turns out the guy had been—it's—it's it's called salting. He was salting the core samples with basically he just get he just find jewelry and he'd shave the gold off the jewelry and he just like plant that in these samples. And you got to think who was auditing this stuff, who was backing up his research, and the answer is no one because again, this was an almost inaccessible area of Borneo that this guy was going to. So he got caught. He jumped out of this helicopter. Here's what makes it even crazier. After the guy... (laughs) No, it is. It is. It gets better. Because after he plunges to his death... Uh, obviously word gets out. They start finding his relative. Turns out he's got four different wives with four different families. Yeah. None of which knew the other existed. Nine kids with four different wives that are scattered all over, uh, all over the place in different countries and things like this. They're all kind of going, Oh, so do we get any, any of, because, because the guy made tons of money off of his stock options that are now, you know, and he cashed in before the stock price obviously collapsed after this was all figured out. And, uh, and so, yeah, so he's one of these guys. And then you start going, yeah, maybe a guy with, with, with four different secret families, maybe he's not the, hasn't, doesn't have the greatest sense of integrity. So, so maybe exactly. But then here's the other crazy thing is there is, People, people, people still, there's a lot of people who speculate that this guy faked his own death because, and that he's still alive in Canada, living off of apparently $4 million of proceeds. He got off of his stock options because when, because first off you're going, if you're going to, you kind of think about it. If you're going to Borneo and you know, you're caught and you're going to end up just ending it all chances are you're going to find there's there's plenty of easier outs than the helicopter ride on the last leg but then also once they recovered the body you got to think it's it's this hot humid jungle probably not a great place to keep like your your body meat fresh while people are and it took people a while to find the body because it was in this jungle this inaccessible jungle and so, so then did you identify him with like dental they, records? They couldn't, they couldn't positively identify. I mean, there was people who go, yeah, that's him. But it's like, yeah, his face is gone because that, because so animals were nibbling on him for the Wait. weeks that it took him to find it. So, Wait, right. So this corpse is unidentifiable really. And again, so, so I mean, th- and that's up for Wait, debate. Greg has a huge smile on his face as he's telling this story. You <laughs> right. should know. I'm sitting here with my mouth open in- <laughs> 
horror. <laughs> and he looks like he is telling you about the greatest time he ever spent at his grandma's house with the children. So just so you know. <laughs> right, but it's a great story. So this It is unbelievable. What do you think? Do you think he's still alive? I I I'm going to say yes, because it's funner to think that he's still alive. If I'm really thinking about the probabilities, I go, yeah, chances that that's that kind of gets pretty deep into the, you know, pretty far past the Occam's razor. The easiest answer is probably the most the most likely answer. But at the same time, the amount of lies this guy told uh, it's I wouldn't put it past him. Imagine four widows. Can you imagine managing four families? I have one husband. Like, and yeah. it's really complicated. Like, I <laughs> right. can't, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, no. the truth is, you must be a mastermind just to have been able to successfully live four lives. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so again, can't put it past him. He could, if, if it seems like with his, with his uh, resume, he, if anyone could pull it off, it, oh, this guy would, would be, yeah. 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 Exactly. So wow. that's just one. writing a screenplay. Craig, because uh, that's a movie that demands to be made. There, here's the thing: there was a movie that was inspired by the story, but it, yeah, it's called Gold. It had Matthew McConaughey in it as the McConaughey. yeah. But oh, but listen, it was Matthew. It was like he he did it. This it was it was one of those things where. It, Matthew McConaughey didn't look anything like the guy he was supposed to. So they, they had him, they had, it's, it's, think of like, like bald out of shape, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Did they like kind of ugly him up? Yeah, they really uglied him up. So, and which it it did, which just, you know, hats off to the uh, makeup team because that can't be easy to make Matthew McConaughey ugly, but they, but they did it. And, and it's not, it's not the greatest movie and it really, it doesn't, it, the the thing that it misses in my mind, it misses a bunch of this stuff that we cover mm. in the podcast, but that the true story covers about this, this guy jumping to his death. That's, I don't think that's in the movie at all. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Okay. Two questions. And the first one is why would they waste money on McConaughey just to ugly him up? And I know you I, can't answer that, I don't but know. that just doesn't yeah. compute to me. And number two, like, why? Like, why? How? What is somebody's like motivation? Like, as somebody who's done fifty episodes of this podcast and fifty episodes and probably many more oh. tales that you've heard of people who like really do audacious things. Like, yeah. what's the motivation? Like, how do they think they're going to get away with it? They're not. They're not thinking clearly at all. Like, what do you? What do you see? Right. right. It's so interesting I, to me. Like, what's the mindset? I so so with this one you're right. The, I mean the motivation is clearly there where it's like oh we can see and even initially like I said the the estimates of the the gold reserves in Borneo they started a lot more conservative than 200 million ounces it was some but but all of them put it in the in the millions of ounces of gold and I think they saw that and then they saw what happened to the stock price and then they said oh we can get rich just on the stock prices, not on the gold itself. Um, but but apparently from from what well, and also just to give a pull the curtain back a little bit on on our podcast, we don't like to cover any frauds that haven't already worked their way through the legal system. 
Um, we kind of we kind of want to see all, all we want to we have fraud that's got all the way to the finish line, so we don't have to speculate. I mean, we still there's still a lot we have to speculate about that just doesn't come out about the story, but we don't want to have to speculate about what might happen in the future. Plus, I mean, I'll tell you when things hit the legal the the legal system, there's a whole lot of details that come out that weren't available before. So there's a lot of reasons. You want to be sure that. you have the full picture before exactly. you start to analyze the situation. That makes total sense. Exactly. And in this case, what's weird is there was lots and lots of criminal and civil suits. Nothing stuck. Nobody went to jail. Nobody lost a civil suit because the main guy doing the fraud, he's dead in air quotes. He's doing air quotes. Air quotes, people. <laughs> exactly. Dead. Exactly. But, but if, he's, if he's not around, that's the main guy that would have been that would have been thrown to the wolves with this whole thing. And he did keep everybody else. I mean, it was him who tampered with the samples. And so it was I, a one man operation. Yes. I mean, wow. that, that's what that's at that's least what was defended. Yeah. It, it successfully defended in the in the legal system was that other people really were in the dark and that it was really this guy who who did it all. Wow. So, again, and that and again, that kind of bolsters the the uh, the the theory that the guy is still alive, because, again, what's his end game? He goes eventually some other company is going to come and try to get this gold out and they're going to find there's no gold. What are you going to do? I got it. Jump out of an airplane and, or, th- you know, throw, vi- visit, visit the, uh, the morgue in a third world country, give somebody 20 bucks for some, some suckers corpse and chuck that out of a, you know, pay, bribe the, the helicopter pilots, chuck that out of the helicopter, have them drop me off somewhere where I can, you know, get another ticket home or home where to have me speechless. I'm just sitting here like trying to formulate any thoughts. Yeah. Ever heard and the implications are insane. Um okay, oh my god. So if you just heard that, then you obviously want to listen to every back episode of Life Rod that exists. (laughs) Right. So Greg, tell us where we can do it. Can we do it on like any place that we get our normal podcasts or is there some place specific people need to go? Anywhere you get your normal podcasts, you can find Oh My Fraud. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Does one of those guys stop doing podcasts? So Stitcher just closed. Is it Stitcher? Okay, Maybe gotcha. Stitcher. I think yeah. Stitcher closed. So like so, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, yeah, all of that. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we're okay. that's what so I yeah, mean. So we, the same place is you find Capstan Live. Yeah, yeah, should be all those. Summer, sure. Yeah, right, right, oh and. And it's funny because we got we got some guys that are kind of the back office that make sure it's posted there. So I don't I don't actually see every platform that's on. But yeah, apparently if you if you can get podcasts there, you should be able to find out my fraud. Now, if you are looking for the uh, CPE for it, you do have to mm-hmm. download the Earmark CPE app, and because the, the okay. quizzes and stuff are through the app. And and you can uh, actually even listen. You can actually there's a there's a feature where you can actually listen to the podcast through the app too. I've never done that. I've always just listened. I, I'm an Apple podcast guy, so I just listen to everything through Apple. So cool! That is so amazing. I'm so excited that we're able to like share that info with our listeners because that's like a total game changer. Yeah, this ear totally. Podcast. Yep, for Wait, sure. My heart is racing from that story, really. <laughs> and I need to like let's talk about something more less death defying well or did he defy it i don't know okay well let's talk about something i gotta pivot okay okay so there's a question that we often ask people and and we often say like okay if accountants had a superpower and i know it sounds like a weird question what would it be like what takes your average clark kent and turns into a superman when he gets that cpa 
Right. This, I, I will, well, and it's funny cause this is, this is really what I'm going to be presenting on with you guys next year is, oh, is exactly, exactly this. It's uh and, and it is that, that, well, it, it, I'll kind of, I'll kind of wade my way into it with you is that in accounting, I would say more than any other person I haven't, I haven't, there, likely there's some profession I'm not thinking of, but from what I've seen and what I've experienced, I don't think that there's any profession that experiences as much regulatory change as the accounting profession. We, I mean, I mean, think about how, how brutal, uh, like PPP, just as one example, PPP loans, where every day we had clients calling us going, Hey, what's my status with PPP and us going, well, according to what they published, uh, Four hours ago, which is what I've had to manage, what I've had time to read. Now I haven't been able to read the stuff that just came out one hour ago, but with the stuff that came four hours ago, here's what's happening. And then you know that that was the level of change that we were doing, and that was just PPP. Do you remember? Uh, this was back, I think it was uh, 2012 to 2013 was when I think that was the year where we had the fiscal cliff, where there was all this tax stuff that had these sunset provisions and it was all sunsetting at, on mm-hmm. December 31st of whatever I year that hate, was. I hate that. They take a beautiful thing like a sunset and right. they ruin it. They right. call it a, <laughs> like, I just hate that language. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. So like, no, it's terrible. Yeah. How can you have to deal with this nonstop change and pivot all the time? Right. Well, and even, I mean, and again, for, for a more recent example, all the, um, Tax cuts and job acts, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like the the section one ninety nine a that we all had to figure out about how you know businesses are able to take a twenty percent uh, you know cut on their profits if if they if have all these that's that's also a, a provision that has a sunset in it. So we went to all this work, we went to endless workshops to figure out how to navigate that, and now. I think it's just in the next couple of years that's going away. So, so we have, so as accountants, we have this, this mountain of change that's just rammed down our throat every single year. And our superpower is we deal with it. We, that, that's what, that's what it's like. Roll with those changes. It never stops evolving and you never mm -mm. stop adapting. Whoa, that's a great phrase. I, that you, was now wow yeah. yeah let me the, write that down real quick can you say that one more time evolving, never, stop never stop adapting no, yeah exactly. i'll jot that down yeah that's bad. really <laughs> that's really good that is that's the new capstan uh like <laughs> catchphrase. No, yeah exactly uh but but with that is then you start thinking okay so we're great at managing change but i would say this is the the, the limit well it's not the limitation. It's the self-imposed limitation of our superpower is that we're fantastic at managing change just so long as that change is rammed down our throat. If we, oh, if we, do, accountants, accountants aren't generally first in line for, uh, for like non-mandatory change. Because again, if you think about that, if you think if someone were to say, Hey, how great is the accounting profession? At, at handling change without all that pre the, the, all the all the stuff we just talked about i think people immediately go oh we're horrible at it and then you go no wait a second we're amazing so it's like i've always said it's like this it's like if you had the power like the superpower of flight but the only way that you could use it is if someone pushed you off a building <laughs> that would be <laughs> that's that's kind of the the accounting profession superpower of change management 
as long as the change is some people have greatness like thrust upon them like Mm -hmm. you have to have change thrust upon you and then you'll totally excel but you don't it has to literally be thrust upon okay i totally i would totally agree yes but but the crazy thing is is that the that it's only in our head that we don't have that superpower for other types of changes. We are amazing at, at saying, here's a change that needs to be made. How do we get from point A to mastery of this change? And then we break it down. We get the education. We get the training. Yeah. We, try, yes. we, we try. We fail. We fix. We do all that sort of stuff to get where we need to get to very quickly because we can't fail. We can't make mistakes with what we do. So we get there incredibly quickly. And I think, I think part of it just to give us a lot of credit is we're sort of exhausted by the change that we're forced to the changes we're forced to make that we don't have a whole lot left in the tank to make other changes. But I, I would agree. But we can do that. We we can do that. And the, the interesting thing is when you say self like like uh when I make a change because I choose to make that change, that's just another way of saying taking a risk. And again, you don't think of accountants as being people who are really out there taking a lot of risks. But the funny thing is we've got the superpower to where we could take all the risks and we could kick butt at, at whatever risks we, we try to take. So that's the, uh, that's not just the superpower. That's sort of the, the you know that's the next comic book that needs to come out is the is is the accountants who are who are actually figuring out just how far this superpower goes. I'm talking to my artist, Greg. Get on it. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Shoot, one more. Let me write that down too on my to do no, list. So I, I'm a, I'm a fount of ideas. So okay, so you're saying that because accountants have been so forced to to be flexible and forced to be adaptive that actually makes them really good at managing and mitigating risk and being mm-hmm. comfortable with risk yep. despite yeah you know the stereotype of accountants you know right. oh, exactly exactly can i ask you a collateral question kind of for so sure. one risk that a lot a lot of our clients are talking about is um at capstan we provide specialty tax incentive services like cost segregation studies and r&d tax credit studies and whatnot and a lot of people are like thinking, like, should I take the risk? Should I take this leap of of bringing that division into my firm? Like, should I I bring it in house? And that is a huge leap. Like, how do people assess that kind of risk in your experience? And what, if they do decide to take the plunge, is there? Do you have any advice? Uh, yeah, lots of questions. Question. Yeah, lots of questions inside that question. Let me yes. kind of try to break it down. So first Sorry. off, you're the pro. Break it can- down. I think. <laughs> Can can accountants because because cost, cost segregation? I mean, the times that it's I've been approached with it, it's generally not something that's in like even what we do. So I'm I'm an in-house CPA for a group of medical office buildings. So I work in industry. I'm not in public practice anymore. Uh, we work with I Bailey, which is you know top oh, 100 sure. national firm. They they have they have a so they have a team within almost like a silo inside their gigantic organization that all they mm-hmm. do is cost seg. So if we're talking about like a, a you know a smaller local firm that's that's going hey should we start doing cost segregation stuff? I think I think you can do that and and that a firm could become that. But here's the thing with taking risks and again, 
not the luxury that we have every year when we're talking about the changes that get forced on us from you know changes in mm-hmm. in tax regulation. But one of the problems is when you're taking risks, you don't want to like if you're taking smart risks, you're going to just take one at a time, and you're going to go and you're going to yeah. focus on that, and that's going to be your and and, it, and even you know you get down to like what's your with any with any firm. I want to know what that firm's niche is, whether that's a, whether that's industry specific or if that's a, an offering that they have, there needs to be a niche. And then, and, and it's funny because, you know, any, any firm, when they get to a certain size, you go up and you click on the, in, like on their website on the, here's the industries we serve. And it's like a list that's 25 long. And it's like, every we specialize in like, right, right. It's like, so, so you specialize in every, everything, you know, you know, everything on your menu that's 800 pages. You right, know? right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you really want to order something from a cheesecake factory, you got to set aside right, two hours exactly. to, to read to through that menu. Through and be like, I don't feel like Chinese. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, so, so, uh, so that, so that's what I would say is if you do want to take that risk, you've got it. That has to be the one risk that you take. And the funny thing is there's opportunity costs with that. Is that the best way yeah. to go? Is that, you know, and, and maybe it is, maybe it's not, but you got to look at what you enjoy doing, what you have the capacity of doing, what you have the, the, the infrastructure for, because again, with cost seg, that, that isn't just accounting stuff. That's where you have to get like uh, mechanical engineers and things like that involved. Yes, to, yes. Yeah. So, so it's a big, so yeah. Is it doable? Heck yeah. If there's any, if there's anybody who could do it, it's an accountant. The thing you got to ask right. yourself is, is it the right thing? Because is that the niche that you want to basically put all of your attention into? Because if right. it's not, don't do it. You're, you're not going to be awesome at it. If it's not, if you're not going all in on it. Um, but the other thing for anybody in, in who who really does have a true specialty, who has a true niche offering, again, let's talk. My my buddy Jason Blummer that I did the first podcast I was doing, he's out in South Carolina. He had an annual conference. I'd go out and help him with the conference. We're setting up the conference space. Somebody across the street wanders over. He says, "Hey, I I, I own the jewelry store across the street. I just saw something was happening over here and thought I'd stop in and say hey." And I was like, "Hey, do you have a do you have an you know we're like it's an accounting conference?" And I was like, "Do you have an accountant? Because this guy right here, he's." right here and he's the best accountant in the whole state and he's like going no knock it off shut up greg because he's like i don't serve retail businesses i don't do jewelry he's like he's like i focus on like design firms and and yeah. things like this like i i can't i won't take him as a customer but because of that if you have a well-defined niche like my buddy does people are going right. to come to you and say hey i need x and you go cool i don't do that but here's some people that do you got it so some as a you know as if you're like let's say you are a CPA firm that does serve design companies but that design company has a has a building that they own and perhaps would benefit from cost segregation you need to know a cost seg company to be able to help help serve your client in a way that you can't yourself so so did that answer the question i think i did it did i feel terrible because i asked you the biggest question on earth um, and no, but that was such a great, like measured and thoughtful answer to the biggest question on earth. So thank you. I think you answered it really well. That, cool. Yeah. Like an accountant, if anybody could do this successfully, it would be accountants because they're so awesome. But the right. thing I have to really think is this where they want to put their time and energy. Yeah. Um, and all, a lot of all of their time. That. All their time and energy because it ain't. Yeah. Yes. Right. 
Exactly. So, no, thank you. And the truth is, you're going to actually talk more with us about this, about risk in general, and about accounts being awesome, because mm-hmm. we're so excited. Next year, you're going to be doing an upcoming webinar on CPA Academy with yep. us. And then even again for Capstan at Capstan University. Guys, we're so lucky. We get double dose of Greg next year. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be so fun. No, we are really looking forward. And for sure, for sure, we'll be linking to all the details and all the info. So we'll keep everybody posted on the dates because it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Laughter and learning. That's what he's all about. Yep. Um, Greg, thank you so much. I I really I enjoyed that conversation so much. I'm still a little upset about the four widows and I'll get over <laughs> it. But like this. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I guess I guess you you have to shut off the part of your brain that that empathizes with the with the victims. The whole story is insane, and then that he had four wives. It's like, well, just get a lifetime movie happening. (laughs) Right, right, right. Chris Pratt could play the lead. There you go. He could. He could. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, thank thank you. Well, thank you for having me on on the podcast. It was it was a delight to chat with you. It really was. It really was. So folks, if you want to get in touch with Greg about any of the above, is there like a, a good overall way to reach you, Greg? Like I yeah. know that the the cartoons are on Instagram yes. and they can get Oh My Fraud on any podcast um, platform or through Earmark. But what yeah. if they want you, the man himself? The the really the best it's so funny. I I've become so jaded with all social media now that because yes. usually it's like, oh here's fine and you can you can you can find me on Twitter. I don't know if I'm ever going back there, but so a, a DM on Twitter might never get found or replied to. LinkedIn, I'm on there a little bit more. So Greg Kite CPA. My Ooh. last name is spelled with a Y instead of an I. But really the I, I don't mind people just emailing me, Greg at gregkite.com. It's really easy. Uh and yeah, shoot me an email. I'll chat with you. Awesome. Greg at gregkite.com. And kite like spelled like a cool way, not like a yeah, cool right, way. Like right, right. Like, I, like yeah. I like but to I say that my, my ancestors were as bad of spellers as I am. Oh, so. <laughs> they were like bad, like cool. Oh, like, bad, like, like yeah. Spelled yeah. with a Y, oh, like, oh, you know, they, bad they, boys, like with yeah. a Z, you know? Oh, right. They all, they all, they all rode skateboards, of course, <laughs> but I... But yeah, <laughs> uh, like a like a little Bart Simpson. Right, Greg, <laughs> thank you so much. I honestly had a great time, and I'm I'm still laughing. Um, and listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, why not subscribe for more episodes of Beyond the Spreadsheet? You'll laugh and you'll learn. Um, we're on all the same places that Greg is. Well, actually, probably not all of them, but Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Or just visit capstantax.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Spreadsheet. I'm Helena Carmel, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Spreadsheet, a special series from Capstan Live. We hope you enjoyed this window into the world of today's guest. For more actionable takeaways and motivational moments, follow us on your favorite podcast provider or visit capstantax.com slash podcasts.